Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. I want to talk a little bit today about New Year's resolutions. I'm not someone who has ever made a New Year's resolution. I often don't even really think about the Gregorian New Year as something that's particularly special. I've never been someone who has gone to parties or enjoyed it in that kind of celebratory way. I think because I grew up in such a um, Jewishly involved household, multiple New Year's felt confusing and redundant to me. (laughs) And we had already had Rosh Hashanah, so why have another one? However, when we were children, my uncle, of blessed memory, used to have us over for a sleepover. And that was very fun. And it could have been, you know, January 15th. We didn't care that it was New Year's. But the fact that he had us over and we always had vegetarian Chinese food and pizza uh, when my parents and grandparents were there. And then as soon as they left, he would whip out tons of candy and apple pie, which is really what he wanted to be able to, to do with us. And we would watch movies like The Princess Bride and Big and Tootsie and all of these fun, silly movies. I think we watched Mrs. Doubtfire with him for the first time. So that's what I think of when I think of New Year's. And unfortunately, my uncle is no longer alive. Uh, and also, we're all adults. And so I'm sure that the that New Year's would not have even been the same um, had he had he been allowed to have us over these days. So New Year's for many people is not that. New Year's for many people is a time to really celebrate the end of something and the beginning of something else and to set these New Year's resolutions and to be able to think of how this next year is going to be different than the year past. And I was reading a lot of posts and seeing a lot of people talk about how terrible 2020 was and all these things. And as I mentioned earlier in the service, of course it was terrible and of course it was challenging. And I guess the optimist in me had a very hard time with that because there were also many really beautiful things that happened in 2020. And I would venture to even say that some of the challenging things led to some of those beautiful things. Um, I was thinking about this when we were davening psuche. I don't usually get to daven psuche looking at all of you singing. I usually have my back to you. And though this is not my preferred way of being in community, there is something very special that I will take with me, even when we're all back together in community, that would not have happened had we not been in that year of 2020. So I don't want to perseverate on 2020. I don't even really want to focus so much on the idea of New Year's. But what we're going to look at in the in the Torah in a moment is this idea that we always look for something better to come next. Right, the grass is always greener, some would potentially say. Right, that whatever is happening right now, something could always be better, even if the best thing is happening to you. Right? And that's just the way that we are as humans. In in the moments of of most um, blessing and brightness and joy, there is still a moment of, oh, but I wish so-and-so could be here. Or oh, but I wish I was, I had had the time to get this outfit or, right? There's always something and it doesn't have to be important and it doesn't have to take over the moment, but there's always something, there's always a something. So, which is fine. I'm not trying to say that that's not okay. But the reason that it's fine 
is because when we have goals, when we have New Year's resolutions, when we have ways of looking at the way that something could have been even an ounce better, we think towards what that better would be. We think towards how things could have changed, how we could have made something more improved or uh, more, um, uh, I'm trying to like grasp a feeling, um, just a different experience that would have had those pieces that again, even if they had those pieces, you would have still found something that, that could have been better. And again, this is no judgment. This is just, this is how, this is how it is. So the source sheet, if you all have it, um, and if you don't have it, I'm gonna, I'll name verses for us to look at. The source sheet that we're gonna look at today is gonna take us through a few verses, starting actually with when Joseph and uh, Jacob see one another for the first time. Joseph, sorry, Jacob knows that Joseph is alive, but now Joseph has actually come to see him and we're gonna see that moment of coming together. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a spoiler. The reason that we're gonna be going through these verses is because I want us to think about how when we look to the future or when we look at our children or when we look at those who we teach we want better for them than we have we want their lives to be better we want them to learn more we want the next year to be better than this past year was even if it was perfect we always want things to be a little bit better and that's exactly what we're going to see in how we end Brayshit, that they wanted the next generation they wanted the next group of people to be better, even if the world had been great and those people had been great before them. Is everybody with me? Okay, great. This is the other thing I don't usually do. I don't usually get thumbs up. This is wonderful. Okay, so we're in chapter 48, verse 2. And if you're on the source sheet, I'm just going in order. When Jacob was told, actually, actually let me read in Hebrew first, because you'll hear the where I'm going with this. Vayegedla Yaakov, Vayomer, Hine, Bincha Yosef Baalecha, Vayit Chazek Yisrael Vayeshev Almita, Alhamita, excuse me. And Jacob was told, And behold, your son Joseph has come to you. And Israel gathered up his strength, and he sat up in his bed. So either knowing, and Nick, at this point, we can let people um, unmute themselves to share. When when I looked at this verse, whether or not you know me, or if you're looking at the source sheet and I gave you the clues, what's interesting about this verse? Yeah, Karen. <laughs> it's, <clears throat> well, for me, just now I was looking at Jacob and then Israel. Right. That's exactly it. So Jacob, right, they say to Jacob that Joseph is coming to see him. But who's the, who's the version of Jacob that actually sees Joseph? Israel. It's, Israel. It's, <clears throat> it's Jacob's version of himself that we call Israel. So now Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hurst says something very interesting. And, and we're not going to we're not going to talk in depth about this difference between Jacob and Israel, but I thought this was interesting for you to see. Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hirsch takes up this challenge and grapples with it throughout the Joseph narrative. He holds that the alternating names reflect Jacob's different emotional states in the light of what was transpiring. The name Jacob connects with this stooped, downcast man, whereas the name Israel connotes hope and reinvigoration. 
So if you think about what Jacob, the character Jacob, before his name is changed or, or given to him, we know him as the child who listened to his mom and, and then got duped by his, um, by, by the Rachel Leah experience, right? That he's kind of this guy who's just, he's, I don't know, he's, we, we love him because he's kind of clueless and he, he, we, he needs a little bit more strength, right? We need to give him a little something before he can be the main guy for our people. The name Israel shows us the points of light in his life. On the verse, now Israel loved Joseph best of all his sons, Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hirsch notes, Israel, not Jacob. For he viewed him as his chosen son because he was the son of his old age, and in him he saw himself repeated and coming again to life. In him he saw the heir of all his spiritual wealth. So again, going back to that spoiler, Jacob refers to Joseph when he is known to us as Israel, because in his son is where he gains that strength. He gains his strength from those who come after him or who will continue after him. Okay, so let's go to the next. Anybody have any questions about that before we go to the next verse? Okay. Genesis 48, 8. Noticing Joseph's sons, Israel asks, who are these? So Joseph's sons come before Jacob because he's he asks to give them a blessing. And for some, this is actually a very fascinating part of the Torah if you want to look at it. But for some reason, he knows who they are and then he doesn't know who they are. And so Joseph says, who are these two children, people, we don't know how old they are, in front of me? Okay. The Orachayim says, it is possible that Jacob wanted to arouse feelings of love in the heart of the children's father before he commenced to bless them. In such circumstances, the effectiveness of the blessing is enhanced. By asking me, Ella, who are they? Jacob was sure he would elicit the response of a proud father, someone who loved his children. So Jacob here is not actually unsure who they are. Other commentators think, well, he just told us he can't see. Of course, he doesn't know who they are. He has to ask, right? If he can't see, then how could he know who's in front of him? But what the Orachayim says, I think is so beautiful that he knows who they are, but he wants to hear about them from their father. He wants to hear their father fell. He wants to know who he's blessing from the person who knows them best. He wants to know what he should be blessing them with based on how their father explains them to him, right? Ephraim and Manasseh to Jacob are, are kind of unknown because they haven't known their father. He hasn't known their father, excuse me, for a very long time. So in Jacob, sure, has the right, the ability, all of those things to give them blessing, but without knowing exactly who they are, how can he bless them to be any kind of future to him? So he says to their father, Tell me a little bit about them. Who are they? And for any of you who are parents, or any of you who have parents, you know that your parents, if asked, tell me a little bit about Rebecca, they'll go on and on and on and on, much more than if you just asked me about myself. So that's what this grandfather felt he needed to give them their blessing. The very next verse in our Torah. And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. Bring them up to me, Jacob says, that I may bless them. 
And Israel said to Joseph, again, using Israel here, said to Joseph, I never expected to see you again. And here God has let me see your children as well. That's a really beautiful, Rabbi Shapiro made fun of me the other day because I told him that when I read this line, when we were prepping for our class a few weeks ago, that I teared up. <laughs> he said, you teared up at the Torah? It's such a beautiful line. It's a very sweet way of imagining their connection as a family, right? I didn't, I didn't imagine that I would ever see you again, my favorite child, the person who brings me strength. And now not only do I get to see you, but I get to see what brings you strength. I get to gain strength from that which gives you strength. A few verses later, chapter 48, verse 20, Jacob blesses them and says, Becha yevarech Israel. Now, the reason I'm reading this in Hebrew is because the word becha, okay, it says, which many of us know as the blessing that we give to our boys up until last night. But why is Becha interesting here? It's interesting because it can mean many things. It can mean what JPS thinks it means, which is by you shall Israel invoke blessing. But it could also mean with you or from you. So Jacob is saying to Joseph, it's really hard that they had two J names. I'm just going to point that out there. It's always very confusing. Jacob says to Joseph that he is asking the rest of the Jewish people to give this blessing, right? Becha yevarech Israel. It's in the future tense. You will bless the people of Israel. But the way that I read it, is that in you, you, the future of the Jews, right? The people who will be given this blessing, you are blessing Israel, Jacob. With you receiving blessing, you in turn are giving that blessing back. So in him blessing Ephraim and Manasseh to do what they're going to do in life, which we all know, or maybe we don't all know, which you should know, that in the future, not all good things come from Ephraim and Manasseh. So the rabbis actually ask, okay, why them, <laughs> right? There are, it's not so great what happens with Ephraim and Manasseh later on in life, especially Manasseh. So why do we bless after them? That's a sermon for another time. But this idea here is that they are the ones who then continue blessing. And that comes back to Jacob. That comes back to this idea of needing to be connected, which is what Jacob is doing by giving them blessing. He's gaining energy, gaining strength by seeing a future in his grandchildren. Okay, so <clears throat> what Rashi says on this is, <clears throat> in you shall Israel bless. So Rashi and I kind of agree, right? Through you will Israel bless you. It's, it's poor English, but it makes a little bit more sense in Hebrew. When one wishes to bless his sons, right? There's a blessing for the boys and a blessing for the girls. This is a blessing for the boys. When one wishes to bless his sons, he will bless them by reciting the formula with which they were blessed. Let's read that one more time. When one wishes to bless his sons, I'm going to just use names here or, or nouns. The, the father will bless the boys, will bless the sons by reciting the formula with which they were blessed. Now, my brothers, all three of them, none of them are Ephraim and Manasseh, 
right? None of them got blessed by Jacob, Avinu. But because that blessing has been, as my dad likes to say, trickled down, it's as if they've been blessed by Jacob. Because the idea of Jacob giving that blessing was not just for them, as we saw in the verse, it was for all those who come after. And did Jacob do that for them? Maybe, but Jacob also did it so that his future was better than his present and than his own past, because he needed them to have blessing that he was not given. Anybody have any comments before we kind of make our next move here? Or any thoughts? No? Yeah, Karen. It has to percolate a little bit in my head, all the things you have just said. Okay. But now when Michael blesses my son, I'm going to tell them at the Shabbat table all about this right. and what that means. And it's really very, I mean, again, I have to think about it a little bit, or feel about it a little bit. But thank you. Any thoughts, questions, any other commentaries that people have read in the many books that you have in front of you? <laughs> no? Okay. Oh, I, I have a question. Oh, yes. Sorry, buddy. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's right. I, I know you didn't want to get into it, but I was told the reason we blessed the name of Ephraim and Menashe is because they're the only two guys that got along and didn't try to kill each other. Yeah. Um, What's what's the story behind that? Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that because I was reading through this verse to find um, something on the Bechayev Yisrael, and when you look through Safaria specifically, you see other other commentaries on that same verse, and I didn't see any uh, on that, and that's exactly what I've learned also. So I wonder if it's either a commentary that's just not on Safaria, which is altogether possible, or it's a way that we want to to define it. Because it makes total sense, right? If we li if we listen to all the other, <clears throat> Rick's raising his hand, so maybe he has someone who has it's on said page two ninety eight on the bottom. Oh, it says it in the eighth time. Yeah, page two ninety eight on the bottom. Say which rabbi said it though, or is it just David no, Lieber? no? So it's possible that it's David Lieber, which would make sense. I mean, he was he was kind of our modern day Rashi. So let's look at two ninety eight, <clears throat> two ninety eight on the bottom. Ah, yes, okay. Right, why Ephraim and Manasseh? Perhaps because they were the first children who had to maintain their identity in a foreign land, or perhaps because they were the first brothers in the Bible to get along peacefully, oh, it says peaceably, after the conflicts that marred the lives of Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, and Joseph and his brothers, now that siblings have learned to get along, the story of the Jewish people can move to the next stage. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's written here and that you and I didn't like learn that from our fifth grade Hebrew teacher and then take it with us because I also was so confused where that, where I learned that. Um, it'd be interesting to know if there was reason for one of the editors of the Eitz Chaim to write that where it would have been said as a commentary, but it makes, it makes total sense because when we want to go into Shemot, right, we're about to go into this whole narrative of, of needing to band together. We want those who we are blessing and remembering as blessing for us to continue to be people who got along and especially siblings. So I'll look into this and see if it came from someone, if it came from David Lieber. I mean, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful person for it to come uh, from, and I wonder if it came from anybody else. Rabbi, also, <clears throat> what Bobby said originally and what a little bit it said, Yeah, I always thought that it was about the kids who were born yeah. in Egypt and carried on and were Jews. 
<clears throat> so no matter where they were. <clears throat> yeah, right. So it's possible that there's that there are a lot of metaphors here that we want people to, even if they're in the diaspora, to bring that blessing with them or all, all of those things. Yes, Larry. So I want to thank Bobby and Rick and you. I think you've just clarified it for me. Yeah. To whom is Jacob speaking? He's speaking to Yosef. Yeah. The Becha is Yosef. And he's basically saying to Yosef, you, as the brother, where there's been strife between the brothers, and I know about, know about it, you shall set an example for your brothers mm. of your children, Menashe and Ephraim. Mm. And in fact, putting the younger before the elders is symbolic of what actually happened, in that Yosef was the younger, except for Binyamin, Mm-hmm. And he was actually put before them. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's actually telling him to convey that message to his sons. And maybe this is actually the truth of when the brothers come and say to their, say to their, say to Yosef later on that our father told us to tell you. Maybe this is what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Larry just took a lot of my teachings in the past week and put them all together. That's great. I, I love that uh, that drosh on this. And yeah, this is this is being told directly to Joseph. And we would hope, again, that, that Jacob is saying this to his son to then say to his sons. But we always hope that when we receive news or blessing or something, even if it's supposed to be passed on, that we gain some of it, right? That Joseph takes that in and hopefully with his own siblings can hear the blessing that was given to his children as a blessing to also take into his own heart and say, Bechad, this is for me. In you will be this blessing. I love that. That's a, a, a really beautiful combination of all of these different things. So, so, so maybe another one? Another one that they're trying to show that the time has come to stop observing this hard and fast rule that the older son or the older child gets preference. The time has come to recognize in our children and everyone else, but certainly in our children, their individual worth and don't just rely on the birth order. It's time to give people their due for who they are, not because one was born before another. Great. And if we think about what happens next, right, when we meet Moshe, he's not the oldest child, right? And he's about to do a whole host of things for us. And when Jacob is asked, why do you switch your hands? Though he doesn't give a a real full answer, he basically says, I know what I'm doing. The reason I'm switching my hands is for good reason, because the younger one will be just will be just as mighty and just as uh, powerful as the older. And it's interesting that that switching first happens with Jacob, and then, as you're saying, kind of ends with Jacob's immediate lineage uh, as we as we move through. I love that. I hadn't I had not put um, kind of the the order of siblings uh, together with that idea. Rabbi Shah. How do you yes. explain, this Who's is Brand. how do you explain, that's a great explanation for the boys' blessings, but as the father of two daughters, yeah. how do you work in the girls' blessing? It doesn't fit anywhere near that sort of scenario, because yeah, well, taking the matriarchs and saying, will you be like them, which is clearly 
doesn't fit within anything that you're saying. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, the 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 way that their blessing came about was, oh, we have a blessing for the boys. We should also have a blessing for the girls. So in order for there to be a blessing for the girls, they, I actually don't know who came up with it, but I assume it's a he, um, said we should have a blessing of the matriarchs because they are, they, they are, first of all, they have many different um, qualities, right? Many different characteristics that none of them are exactly the same. They all go through different trials and tribulations. And so when you put them together as a group, you could imagine that your children are like a little piece of one or a little piece of the other, as opposed to naming one person um, for the girls. I would have to look more into the historical implications as to why didn't they add like Miriam and, you know, other women who clearly people knew about when writing this blessing. But that would be my, that would be my guess. As someone who has both of the names and her name, you know, I also hear it as a way to be able to think back to those, those matriarchs in ways that we don't always bring them to light, unfortunately. Okay, Rebecca, last comment, and then we're going to go on. Wait a second, my husband has, my husband has raised his hand. Okay, I'm going to call on Rebecca, and then I will call on Ellie. Thank you. Okay, I just wanted to say the order of the names, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Yeah. Leah was older than Rachel, so those last two names ah, are also inverted, so they're sort of a parallel if you think about, uh, um, you know, what we're talking about, that it's not necessarily the birth order, so. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I like that a lot. Okay, Ellie, last word. Yeah, the uh, the whole ceremony reminds me of the ceremony of Itzhak uh, giving a blessing to Jacob. You know, they sit in parallel, you know, and I think that uh, Jacob learned from his mother what is important for the future of the, of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. and therefore when when Joseph wanted to change his hands, Jacob realized what's more important. And yeah. I think that's how he learned. Definitely, and, yeah. And and that's what, and Jacob even says that. And what, I mean, he doesn't refer back to his mother, but he says that he, he knows what he's doing. He knows the implications of which hand goes over which child. Exactly. And you're right. It's exactly because it came from his own experience of having exactly. the hands, quote, sw- uh, switched over the heads of the children. Great. Thank you for adding that. So this last verse here is the verse that I was referring to before Rick read, which was the last verse that he actually chanted for us. And we're not going to we're not going to go into the entire verse because it actually begins a whole nother topic. But we're going to look at the first six words. Birchot avicha gavru al birchot horai. So the blessings of your father gavru are greater than or here we they use the word surpass and for some reason it is capitalized the blessings of my parents right horai could mean ancestors i guess but literally means my parents so the blessings of your father right the blessing that i was able to give your father surpasses the blessing that i was given which is exactly what i brought up at the beginning of this which is No matter if I loved my blessing, no matter if the blessing that I was given was good enough for me and for my life, I will always change that blessing to make sure that the blessing that you receive is better than the blessing I received. Because hopefully your life will be better than my life is because I have something to do with your life, my children. So Sforno says something that I think is quite beautiful. The reason that the Torah says, brachot avicha, 
is because they are more powerful than the ones which my parents received. So he's not even speaking of his own. He's speaking of the blessings that came before him. So he's taking on this uh, tradition of making sure that whatever the blessing is that is passed down, not only is it better than what I could ever have imagined, but I'm going to one-up that and I want it to be better than what my parents could have imagined. I brought this last piece here from the Talmud because I think that this is a real testament to how we try to teach our children in June and the way, the, way, the way that we try to set up our future generations in Judaism, even if they're not our own biological children. The way that we teach, the way that we interact, the way that we continue blessing through those that are younger than us, right? Or, or those that are working under us, even if they are not old, uh, younger than us, people that we have influence over. Rabbi Yoshua stood on his feet and says, it is not in heaven. This is after the story of the Tanur Shel Achnai, the, the oven of uh, the coiled oven. Let's put it that way. The Gemara asks, what is the relevance of the phrase, it is not in heaven? And I know that Alan's on here and this is his favorite text. So I'm, I'm glad that you're with us. Rabbi Yirmiya says, since the Torah was already given at Mount Sinai, we do not regard a divine voice as you already wrote at Mount Sinai in the Torah after a majority to incline. They're talking about needing God to help them with a solution. And they're basically saying, no, 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 we no longer need God for this particular, um, to break this tie. Let's put it that way. Since the majority of rabbis disagree with Rabbi Eliezer's opinion, the halacha is not ruled in accordance with his opinion. The Gemara relates, years after Rabbi Natan encountered Elijah and said to him, what did the Holy One, blessed be he, do at that time? Elijah said to him, the Holy One, blessed be he, smiled and said, Nitzchuni banai, Nitzchuni banai. My children have triumphed over me. My children have triumphed over me. Even in this moment in the Gemara, where God had performed these miracles in the Beit Midrash, and the, the rabbis believed that God was present and that God was, was able to help them through anything, that it was in this moment that God was able to say, it's not, it's not about that trickle-down effect any longer, right? It's not about me deciding now what you are to do. It's now about you deciding how others are going to practice and how others are going to be blessed. So when we think about a new year and we think about change and we think about beginnings, I hope, whether you are a person who makes New Year's resolutions or not, I hope that you think about ways in which your life is blessed and that those who come after you or those who you have influence over can also be more blessed than that which you are blessed by. And the only way that that happens is by us sharing those blessings, by us saying, this is what I wish for you. This is how I'm going to help you succeed. These are the ways in which in my life, I did not have the opportunity to do something that now I'm going to avail you of the opportunity to see. So may this year of 2021 be a year of blessing not only of receiving, but also of giving. And may this be a year where while counting our blessings, we also get to give blessing to others who 
deserve to have a life that is better than the one that we might be enjoying and loving having right now. So Shabbat Shalom. I hope that that was a, uh, a, a nice way for you to think about the beginning of 2021 as we begin it all together as a community. And again, this is not the way that we would have ever thought to be in community, but I don't believe that this is a negative of 2020. I believe that being able to see your faces and learn with you every Shabbat is actually quite, quite the blessing. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.